0: How are you doing oh my gosh it's 2022 and can we have a redo like can we redo the whole new year thing like i felt like of course gonna just blaze into the new year and no oh, like got sick at the end of 2021 and then just stayed sick and starting out this year behind and tired and not energized and it's just been tough and I know that it's been tough for not just me for a lot of the U.S. a lot of people getting sick right now a lot of people dealing with closures and and all of that so I thought it would be so relevant to have beth tyson back on the podcast she's been on here before she's a a trauma therapist but she's released a book about parenting in the pandemic and boy i mean i might have just reached out to her because i needed some help but i think what she shares today is really helpful for everyone so i'm gonna go ahead and roll that intro and then you can hear my conversation with beth I'm Rebecca Britt and this is the Stable Moments Podcast. I started this podcast to understand from all perspectives how we can help end the foster care crisis. The overwhelming response was we need to support our local community. Unwanted, abandoned, orphaned children are the community's responsibility. We must support, guide, love, invest, raise up generations that will nurture love and support their own children to end this crisis. So the purpose of this podcast is to build an army of people that are interested and willing to take responsibility of our foster youth and who are supportive of foster and adoptive families. This is the on-ramp for people who want to get involved but might not know where to start. I want this to be a place where community members feel like they can make a difference, where they feel good enough to make that difference, and believe that they can be a big deal in the life of a child. Thanks for being part of our community and make sure to join the conversation in the Stable Moments podcast Facebook group. Together, we can end the foster care crisis. I am so excited to have you back on the podcast. I know that we have had you on before, but I also know that you recently released and co-authored a new book, The Parenting Odyssey, Trials, Treasures, and Triumphs of Parenting in a Pandemic, and for those who haven't listened to the previous episode. Uh, Beth is a psychotherapist and childhood grief and trauma expert. So obviously super relevant to uh, the the children that we serve with the stable moments model. Um, and she's a previous children's book author, but the purpose of her new book is really to re- reduce isolation for those parenting in a pandemic because um, it is isolating. I mean, the world on a large scale felt isolation, you know, at a level that they probably never had before, um, but super um, nuanced experience for parents. And the book does that by sharing heartfelt testimonials and stories from real parents. So can you just give me a little background of how this book
1: came together? Sure. So I was actually on um, a podcast about a year ago called The Parenting 411 with Carol Muletta, and she um, is a parenting coach and expert, and she has her own radio show, and so I was on there talking about collective trauma and how we've all been through a collective trauma with the pandemic and COVID and everything. Um, Some, you know, it's been worse for some than others. There's depending on any loss that they've had in their families, um, and you know, their situation going into the pandemic with their mental health. So, you know, for some it, it has been harder than others. And um, and so she wanted to really capture this time for all of us, like for all the parents that have been struggling so much to stay on top of everything that has been thrown at us on a daily basis, it feels like, um, since the pandemic began and sort of have like a time capsule of, of what it's been like, the stories of people in their everyday life, um, parenting alongside being in a pandemic, because they just thought that that was such a piece of history that really needed to be captured.
0: Yeah, totally. That makes sense, and. You know, honestly, I feel like I was one of those people that, like, I didn't make content specific to, or I am thinking maybe I made one piece when it first, you know, when the pandemic first started, but I was trying to stay away from COVID content because of my own, like, desire to, like, I was over it. I was overhearing about it. I was overhearing about cases. I, like, I wanted something else. I wanted an escape for people that were going to listen to the content. And um, it definitely, though, like especially recently for me, got to a point where it was like, okay, well, you can't just ignore this pandemic that's going on. And I think I was in a really privileged position being able to ignore the pandemic, like being able to work from home, being able to keep my job, not getting sick. Um, There were some like um, inconveniences, like daycare being shut down, um, and just that experience of having a baby that you have to work from home and all of that. But it was kind of like silly and not really taxing. But just recently, we all got sick. We all got sick with COVID. My um, seven month old, my two year old, me, my husband, and everybody's getting sick right now. Right. But I was like at the point where, so, I wasn't getting sleep because I was up with babies that were sick. And I was like thinking all night when I was up with a seven month old, like, at what point do you go to the hospital? He can't talk. Like, he had a really bad fever 103 for so many days. He was starting to have dry diapers, like just things that you're nervous about. And yeah. then I'm not sleeping and I'm sick and I'm not able to recover because my immune system's completely shot because. I'm up with babies and you need sleep. And then like, I noticed my emotional regulation, like out the door. Like I'm thinking like I could cry at any moment and I could like, I was losing it. And I was like, what would I tell myself? You know? And I would tell myself, or what would I tell other people? And I'm like, when you need a break, take a break. Like if you have to take a nap, take a nap, take care of yourself, get someone else, like do what you need to do to not lose it. And you can't, you can't get a babysitter when your kids are COVID positive. Like you can't like, let alone if you don't have the money for that or whatever, but even if you have the means, you can't get somebody to watch your COVID positive kids. Um, and so like, it gets really, you can get in a really scary mental place when you've come to the realize, like realization, like you're, you're not going to be able to get help. And And some of the thoughts you're having of like this crazy toddler that now is, has energy and you don't, and you're just continuing to deteriorate and you're like, I'm going to freak out. And you know what? You can't take a break. Like, I don't know really what a break looks like, but like, you can't lock your toddler in a room. Like you can't lock yourself in the closet. (laughs) There's some things that like, just, so I was really like, holy smokes, all of the things that I've heard people complain about. um that have said are real issues were brought to light so much in these last this last month. And I was like, I don't know the answer. You know, but I definitely could see the need for like at least um, you know, other stories and feeling like other people are going through the same thing. Cause I even some of my thoughts, I was like, you would never share those with people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean?
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think the pandemic for many people has kind of pushed them to their breaking points, right. And feeling like they're just about to go over the edge, um, at different points and whether it's actually getting COVID or whether it's the fear of getting COVID or whether it's, um, all the stressors of trying to parent and teach your child at home while you're also working a full-time job, you know, like, uh, you know, there's just been so many things that have really stretched us to our mental capacities through this um, through this pandemic. And we just want people to know that they're not alone and they're not the only ones that are really struggling. And I think when you share your stories, it really helps to bring down that anxiety, not only for the person who shared it, but also for all the other people who are saying me too, you know, like, oh yeah, that's how I've been feeling too. And that's what it's been like for me as well. And when you feel less alone in something, it just it, it just has this power of helping you put things in a a better perspective, even if you don't have that perspective for yourself at the moment, you can say, okay, other people are, are struggling too. And and so, um, and so this is kind of our normal right now, you know?
0: Yeah. And it's the silver lining I would say is that it's a collective and that everybody's going through it. Whereas there's plenty of other, you know. Uh, issues that you could have in your family, medical issues or or things going on, personal issues where nobody else is experiencing, or it feels like nobody else is experiencing that. And at the very least, like I could tell work or I could tell people like, this is hard for me. And there were other people to echo, like, yeah, it sucks for everybody right now and there was some comfort in that whereas I can imagine if I was grieving or dealing with a medical diagnosis or dealing with something else that no nobody else was really dealing with it would have been harder.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting you point that out because for me, I've always been an anxious person. I've had anxiety since I was a young child. And so for me, I've always been living on this heightened state of alert, kind of, you know, at different points, it ebbs and flows, right? It's not, you know, I'm not always at a 10, but, you know, I always felt like I was living more anxiously than all the people around me. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like the tide has kind of rose up to meet me. And so for the first time, I kind of feel normal <laughs> because I'm like, oh, everyone's freaking out. Yeah, I've been freaking out <laughs> my whole life. So now we're all kind of on an even playing field. Just And now I'm, I'm just making light of it. But it does, like for me, it's like. wow okay people are finally feeling what i've been feeling this my whole life and um and so it's not that i wish it on anybody trust me i don't but it's kind of like you feel that when you feel less alone it's um it's comforting yeah
0: absolutely so um do the stories like tell me about some of the stories do they um specifically target any family or do they specifically target those who have some type of like trauma background or is it more talking about the trauma of the pandemic?
1: Yeah. So it's really talking about the trauma that the pandemic has been for everybody and the stressors that has put on everyday families. So there's no specific um, group. It's really just kind of a across what would you say? Like a slice of all different people from different backgrounds, a couple people from different countries. Um, we have one mom, Um, from Spain who, um, who gives her perspective of what it was like in Spain. Cause if you remember in the very early Mm -hmm. days of COVID, like they really were put through the ringer and it was very, very scary. And they weren't allowed to leave their homes, like legally, they weren't allowed to leave their homes. Mm -hmm. Um, If they went anywhere, they would get stopped and asked like, where are you going? Is it a doctor's appointment? Like you weren't allowed to just be out in public. And, um, and so she shares her story of what that was like for her. And then, you know, we have somebody else, I think, I want to say from Australia, who shares what it's been like for them. Um, And then all people from different backgrounds in the U.S. So mainly people from the U.S., parents from the U.S. And I think we have one dad, (laughs) one dad who was able to share what it's been like for him. And I think he has three plus children. I forget how many, but it I think it was more than three children. So for you know, from from a larger family standpoint, what that's been like. And for me, I'm the mom of an only child. So, you know, I shared what it's been like for me. And um in my story, I get, I, I mean, I share some of my most personal moments in that book and uh, really opened up for the first time publicly about my struggles with anxiety and what it's been like to be a mom with anxiety, with high risk medical background and parenting a preschooler who is, you know, touching and playing with everything and can't not be social and can't not see her friends and, um, you know, and, and just what that was like for her. And I share about this really sweet moment her and I had when I um, realized that I needed to stop pretending that I was just that everything was just okay and happy we're fine mm. kind of like you know I took off the mask of like everything's fine because I noticed she she could feel it anyway you know she mm. was already she was starting to act out she was four when the pandemic began and um you know I was starting to see some some of her behavioral stuff going on and I was like I gotta stop acting like everything's okay and be real with her mm. and so I took off that like strong mom mask the one day and I was just like you know are you are you feeling afraid about all this talk about you know masks and germs and washing your hands and being sick and you know I, I'm like that must be a lot for you to um to be hearing about all of a sudden and you know and and she had at that point not been allowed to go back to school and you know, it was like, what is going on? You know, this is, this is a lot for a little brain to handle. And so I just, I said to her, you know, I'm scared too. Mm. And I, you know, her and I had a moment where I like teared up with her and I just said, you know, we don't really know what's, what's going to happen next. And that's really hard. Mm. Um, you know, but the adults are doing everything we can to keep you safe and to keep ourselves safe. And we're going to get through this together. And you know, we both like cried for a bit and like had a moment and then she kind of jumped off my lap and <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, where's loop, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. And um, and you know, it was just like this this realization that like I have to stop pretending that everything okay all the time. Like, sure, we you know, we can't be falling apart every moment of the day as parents, but it's okay to let them see a struggle sometimes. It's mm-hmm. okay to let them show that we're are fearful of things in life too, that because it normalizes it for them. And then they're inevitably going to feel it anyway. And instead of feeling like there's something wrong with them for feeling it, they're going to go, Oh, my mommy feels this way sometimes too. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And that whole thing we were just talking about where it's like, if you know somebody else is going through it, it takes away the sting, takes away, it's like inoculates you from, from the, the pain of going through it all by yourself and thinking that something's wrong with you um so yeah I've just been I share my story about what that's been like trying to be more authentic and genuine with my daughter in order to enhance her resiliency right because if we just we're just like sugarcoating everything all the time and like pretending as though nothing is going on in the world um it's going to be even more of a shock when they realize it later on and I realized that I kind of have to dose her with some real life stuff over time because um that's actually good for building her resiliency and she she needs to know that bad things happen sometimes but we're going to get through it you know and um instead of just kind of being hit with everything at once when she's like 10 and being like wait a minute <laughs> you know all this wait this and that and this you know and that'll be way more overwhelming and and I and I and I share that because I gravitate towards wanting to like put her in a bubble mm-hmm. <laughs> and not want to let her be exposed to any bad news or anything cuz i'm worried about her mental health you know from a from a therapist perspective like i'm thinking so there is a balance you need to find right and 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 so that's what i've been working on and just sharing my journey of um finding a better balance of being genuine with with what's going on so that she can she can handle stuff when it does come up she needs to practice that. That's something that you just are good at right away. Like she, she needs little doses of adversity so that she can see that she can pick herself back up afterwards.
0: Yeah, and you leading by example in this is how we handle adversity is so much more value than pretending adversity doesn't exist. And I, I get the whole um, wanting to shelter and wanting to just make, not give kids more than they have to handle. I mean, if they, if they don't have to handle it and we can keep their life as normal as possible, I get wanting to do that. But I also get like, when it starts moving into an inauthentic place where the kid totally knows something's up, I mean, school's checking their temperature, <laughs> like there's something yeah. up to ignore it or not validate it or not acknowledge it is, can be so frustrating for kids. And we hear all the time from kids. I mean, I feel like I had the same experience in my childhood and especially from kids that, um, have complex trauma or have been through multiple homes, um, that they say, like, it wasn't so much that X, Y, and Z happened. It's like, nobody was willing to talk to me about it. Nobody was willing to normalize it. Nobody like gave the time or thought it was, or wanted to be uncomfortable enough to pause and be like, let's acknowledge that Thing. That seems like it's kind of a big thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it totally seems legit to be authentic, but I love that you kind of came to the crossroads of like, uh, this has become a big enough thing that we need to have the conversation about it. And I, I love that that's kind of one of those things that you've taken out of the pandemic Because I think that there's quite a few positives that have come out of the pandemic um, that maybe we would have never had to either hit a breaking point or these realizations where it's like, oh, no, we have to be real or we have to figure out work-life balance or we have to figure out some of these things that it was easier before to just motor along and pretend and be unsustainable and all of that.
1: Yeah, I think that and that's the whole point of the book is like to share our struggles and share what it's been like, but then leave the readers with with some wisdom and what was learned through that process. And um some you know, some even, you know, go through and bullet point like bullet point like things, the all the good things that came out of it for their families. And so there is this hope. It's like a double sided coin, right? You can't have the good without the bad. And um in so many ways the pandemic has really stretched all of us to grow into um, more into a more like aware, awoken state. I feel like, you know, like we were all like, okay, everybody was kind of ignoring mental health. I feel like for a long time and not talking about it and the general public and everything, it was there, you know, a little bit here and there, but now, I mean, it is everywhere. It is front page news. It is, you know, everybody's talking about mental health all the time. And, and so that is going to be a huge benefit down the road. I mean, we're, we're really starting to see the schools get involved with um, trying to address mental health and um, we're, we're just seeing parents more aware of what's going on with their children. Like the knowledge that has been gained, uh, I think is astronomical through this whole thing. And um, yeah, so the book is, does a good job of balancing. Yes, yeah, sh- yes, the stressful and the real and the, the struggle that we've all been through, but then um, finishing off each story with something hopeful.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I've definitely seen that shift towards mental health and like a very cool shift where like we really valued, you know, never calling out of work and valued working ourselves to the bone and like some of these workplace um, norms that we valued and we thought is what made us a useful, purposeful, productive human being. And in the beginning of the pandemic, We were all like so overwhelmed. Like, how am I going to meet all these standards while I have a child home, while we're dealing with a pandemic, maybe while people are sick, like this is just impossible. This is impossible. We ran ourselves ragged. And then the rest of the world like kind of chimed in with like, you're right. Like it's impossible. (laughs) So maybe you shouldn't do it. And like, it was this beautiful, like, then you let the balls drop because you're kind of given permission or you have to, you're breaking and then like, we got to restructure the balls. We were like, you know what? We don't have to pick up all those balls or like the world went on without us doing all these things that we thought we had to do or like, Oh my gosh, we can actually invest more time in our children or taking walks or doing the, you know, some of the educational components or whatever. Um, so I feel like I don't know if this is true, but if you ask most people, like if their life was restructured after the pandemic in some way mm-hmm. that, that a lot of people would say, yeah. And I, I mean, I hope that that's for the better as far as like uh, priorities.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it definitely for, you know, it depends on every everybody's circumstances, I guess it'll be different for everyone. Um, but I think there is sort of this collective realization that of what's really important here. Like, Mm -hmm. is it important that I sit at my desk nine to five just because that's the rules or, or can I have some flexibility here and work from home two days a week and actually not have to commute an hour in traffic, um, and miss, you know, that time I would have had with my child, you know, because if you think about a working parent, it's an, nobody I don't think anybody ever starts to think about this, but like if you have a full time job and you work nine to five, you're seeing your kid like maybe two hours a day, mm-hmm. maybe. And if they're young, even less because they go to bed so early, usually, you know, and so it's like, how do you expect there to be any sort of quality of life when mm-hmm. When you're you're spending that little amount of time with your family, um, it's just it's just not good for anyone. So I I agree with you. I think that it's good that we've been able to see that we don't need these these rules that we thought we needed. And sure, in certain industries, that's not going to sure fly. Like if you're a nurse or you're a doctor, you, like there's something where you have you work in a role where you have to be there in person. Um, but a lot of these roles are where you know just set that way just because that's what they've always done. And they're just going to keep doing it. And now we know that we really don't need to keep doing that anymore. And we can, we can find some space to spend with time with our families.
0: So this is just like, you know, I know this probably isn't in the book, but I'm just wondering your take on it. Um, As a therapist, like, what do you think the implications are for these kids? you know, especially kids that were, I don't know, elementary, middle, they really like grew up. This was a big portion of their life dealing with this pandemic. Um, What do you think the, like the long-term implications will be for them?
1: Yeah. Again, I think it's like, depends on what their, their experience was. Cause it's like, we're, there's a a quote, it's like, you know, we're all in the ocean, but we all have, we're all in different boats Mm -hmm. or something that, where it's like, you know, depending on your support system at home, you know, the things that really, um, the things that really bolster bolster up a child's well-being. So I don't know if your audience is aware, but the ACEs study that was done about childhood adversity, they've now turned that into what's called their whole organization they changed it from calling ACE's connection to calling it Paces Connection mm. because they have all this new research about the positive childhood experiences mm. that I love it buffer right the ACEs and it's remarkable. It's remarkable what, what the research and is showing about how these positive things that happen in childhood mitigate you know the adversity that children face. So I think if if um if you have A child who lives in a supportive family has at least one uh, caring, attentive, loving adult who has, you know, the ability to, to be present and connecting with that child on a regular basis. One of the other things is, um, you know, a a supportive community. So being involved in some kind of activity outside the family, whether it's sports or gymnastics or theater, you know, having some other type of community built outside the child's, uh, immediate family. And then having um, like a teacher or somebody at school that they feel connected to. So there's all these like protective factors that get built in, feeling as though they're able to go to to an adult if they have something that's bothering them. They feel like they have a, a trusted adult that they can turn to and feelings are accepted. It's it, it's okay to talk about their feelings and their thoughts. Um, those things mitigate the impact of the adversity. So I think it will look different for everybody based off of that. Um, yeah, that's
0: really interesting. So I knew, uh, and that's actually news to me. So I knew of like, like you, everyone, anyone can take the ACEs survey to see how many ACEs that they had, which is, which are adverse childhood events. And then I knew that that was counteracted by resiliency factors. Is this, um, is, like, does this P stand for positive or protective?
1: Um, it stands for positive
0: positive
1: childhood okay. experiences and they they kind of just um added a p like onto the aces okay make it pieces
0: because it is like they balance each other it's it's positive yeah. juxtaposed and to adverse. adverse yeah okay yeah. that makes like a lot protective. of
1: sense i like protective though too that's, i that's, do too I, yeah um but yeah they landed on positive and um and that i think is great to kind of balance to show, because if you, if you are raising children with trauma or you've had your own trauma yourself, like the ACEs study is really depressing. Right. I mean, it's really like, you feel like hopeless if if you Mm -hmm. just look at the ACEs, but having this, having the pace is there to show you, well, look, these are the things that actually counterbalance or counteract the ACEs. Then you can see that there's some hope there. And that's what we all need. We Mm -hmm. all need to feel that there's hope for our children, that there's hope for ourselves. Absolutely. And there, is.
0: and there is. Yeah. And for support, you know, supporting programs like stable moments or programming that's out there that's saying like, yes, these children have endured trauma, but having a mentor that meets with them one, you know, hour a week, that is, that can actually directly help heal trauma. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah absolutely. So I love that. Actually, I'm going to, Check that out and um, share some of that information out because I think it's really important and it's a critical piece. Yes. Like you said, like just the aces alone, we, we can't just just be looking at that. And yeah, it's not really fair to say, oh, this is what this generation will be without knowing what their background situation is or, or what their support system is. But it is hard for me to not think about the kids that. Um, you know, court proceedings were pushed way out because of the pandemic. Um, they possibly weren't able to get back re- reunified um, as quick as they would want to. Maybe bio parents weren't able to get services like they normally would have been. Or on the other end, TPR, like termination of parental rights wasn't happening quick enough and kids were just stuck not being able to get adopted. So yes. It definitely adds a whole new lens to kids who are navigating the foster care system.
1: Totally. Yes. I think for children, I think this is going to be, this has been, if we're just talking about that population, that, that they have taken a harder hit than Mm -hmm. the general population yet again, Mm -hmm. um, because of all the delays and I'm a, I'm a CASA. Um, volunteer. So that's a court appointed special advocate for two children in the foster care system. And that exact situation is what we're going through right now, where Mm. um, they've been lingering now and they, they have an adoptive, they have a family who wants to adopt them. um, But they've been lingering now past the three year point. And um, it's all because of the setbacks for the court hearings and all that. So it, it does affect it does affect our children and and the people of this world. So I'm not trying to say that it doesn't. I just say what I'm saying is it's so individual, right? It's Mm -hmm. so hard to know, but I think there will be sort of a mass impact um, for the ones that were really vulnerable to the, to the situations, the pandemic caused. Um, Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And you know, this is an unfortunate fact, but often with my work with these kids, unfortunately, sometimes stuff like this is like a Wednesday for them. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh yep, Another hit. I'm used to it. Like where you feel like this is just going to be another devastating blow. They kind of at least act like this rolls off their back because they're like, whatever, like Mm
1: -hmm. I get my
0: world kind of turned upside down all the time.
1: Yeah. 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 And I think that I think that is true probably in the moment, but then you see more problems later on down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even from my own history, my own story had like a rocky, you know, early childhood, just not, I wasn't in foster care, but just uh, my parents got divorced when I was two and there was a lot of sort of back and forth a long distance and moving and just disruptions I would call them. Um, and in the moment i was fine i thrived i i did well in school i had lots of friends i you know i i was like water off a duck's back for me back then but as an adult is mm-hmm. when i really started to struggle with anxiety and and um and just you know as i as i got hit with stressors or as i get hit with stressors i find that i do feel like i take it i you know it hits me harder um than other people and who don't have sort of a or, you know a disrupted background and so i think that it does i think it does affect people it will affect them long longer term down the road even if it doesn't seem to impact them now absolutely
0: yeah well i love that there is a focus on reducing isolation and finding that community i know um do you feel like people are more apt to share their experiences when they're feeling isolated and that the community is more accepting and, and graceful when hearing them
1: Oh definitely I mean I mean even myself like, I, like you know this has this has allowed me to feel comfortable enough to talk publicly mm-hmm. about my anxiety where before I was worried that people might judge me or that you know that they might think I was less capable of helping them because of my own, you know, struggles or whatever, but I don't think that's true. I think when you live it and you've been through it and you've actually had to face it yourself, you're even more equipped to be able to help other people through it because you, you know, exactly not, you never know exactly how somebody is going through, but you can relate to it and you've been through it yourself. So you've, you know, developed the tools and the, and the mindset to be able to overcome it. And it makes it better that way, I think. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think as a whole in our communities that people are way more open and honest about what they're going through. And we're seeing that like in the public, like with celebrities and stuff, a lot Mm. of people are coming forward right now, sharing men. We're seeing a lot of men forward and share about their mental health challenges which never used to happen you know um or very rarely can't say never but very rarely and that's going to have such a positive impact on on so many people you know and so i do i do think i do think it's sort of an opening up that has that the pandemic has allowed people to share their stories and that's again that's one of those mitigating things right that um Yes, we've had some really awful things happen and some setbacks and some really, um, you know, it has, it is affecting children's mental health for sure. We see that in all the research that's being done. Um, But at the same time, there's these other things that are popping up, hopefully that can mitigate some of it at least.
0: So if there is someone listening right now and they are really feeling the pressure and they are feeling like they are just spent mentally spent and that this is more than they can handle. And they don't feel like they can take a break because either they don't have the support or they're all COVID positive and they can't ask somebody to come be with them. What advice would you give that person?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, that's a really, really hard place to be in. And I think what I would say is, although you might not be able to connect with people in person, you need to be reaching out to your people Mm -hmm. anyway, you know, doing phone, you know, calling your friends, calling somebody to talk, um, because that's what heals, right? What heals trauma and all the, what shows is that your relationships, that's what that's what heals, is your connections and your relationships. So, um, you know, even if you don't feel like it, you know, even if it's the last thing you want to do, call a friend, um, get on a Zoom with somebody, um, call a family member that you feel supported by, um, you know, and make sure that you you have somebody to talk to. And of course, if you feel that you really can't handle it, you would always want to reach out for professional mental health support through a therapist or counselor, um, there's so many ways to find it. Nowadays, it's you know you can do stuff on Zoom. Um, mm-hmm. That's you know that's what got me through the pandemic. I had a Zoom therapist, and um, we did therapy over Zoom throughout the pandemic, and that really sustained me. It wasn't as great as being in person, but it definitely helped me through the hardest points. So just know that there is there is help available, and you need to not be ashamed of that and take some of the pressure off yourself to do it all because like moms you feel like you have to do it all and and just say I need help right now and it's Mm -hmm. okay this Mm -hmm. is temporary um you know this is this is something that I need to do whatever it takes to get through and if whatever that takes means you know getting help and asking for for um support, then you need to do that. And don't, don't feel like, don't keep telling yourself that you need to handle it all on your own.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I will just, this is totally anecdotal because this is just my experience, but I'll offer it since it helped with my mental health so much just yesterday. But I was at one of those moments where I've found myself over the last like week or so intentionally dissociating, meaning that like, I'm at a place where I'm feeling so run down and like, I need to sleep, but there's a loud toddler right there poking me in my eyeballs and I'm like wanting to freak out. And so I will close my eyes and just picture myself like in a hotel room by myself, like watching shows with no kids around. And I'm like, if I didn't dissociate right now, I would freak out.
1: Yeah. Um. And yell
0: and bark or shut him in his room or like do something that like I know I would not. What isn't how I would normally react. So uh, dissociating is not my advice. Um. But it was (laughs) it was a good. I realized I was doing it, Mm -hmm. and so for me it was a good awareness of like if you're starting to feel like you need to remove yourself even if you can't remove yourself. Yeah. You're really getting close to your breaking point. But I. Um, my husband had said, do you want to go for a walk? And I w- looked at him like, do I look like I have energy to freaking walk right now? But yeah, we went for, and I was like, we can go for a walk, but I have to get an energy drink first. But for whatever reason, we st- forgot to do that. Didn't get an energy drink. The sunshine and the walking gave yeah. me so much energy. I was a different person. And I usually walk, but the reason I haven't been is because I've been sick and tired. And so it's an easy thing to be like, I just, yeah, right. That's the last thing I'm going to do right now. But the sunshine and the moving my body. And I know everybody's going to be like, okay, Rebecca, you take a walk, I get it. But I was (laughs) amazed. I was amazed at my the energy I got from it. And just, I was resembled myself a little bit after and then made arrangements with my husband so that I could get a full night's sleep. And I know not everybody has a partner, but I was able to get sleep and that's obviously what I really needed. But if you are at your breaking point, like see if you can get some sunshine, I know it's freezing so many places in the United States. So maybe just moving your body indoors, but oh my gosh, I was like, wow, that, that really worked. (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I mean so many things that you're saying right now I want to touch on um because it's really important. So, um in EMDR, first I'm going to go back to what you were saying about the dissociating thing. So I've I'm being certified right now in EMDR therapy, which is a type of therapy specific to people with trauma. And one of the one of the skills that we teach people is to do exactly what you said. It's called calm safe place. And if, when you're in a moment that just feels too overwhelming for you and you just can't, um, you just, you just feel, you're feeling way too many emotions to kind of keep yourself contained. What you can do is yeah, close your eyes and take yourself to that calm, safe Mm -hmm. place. And that's, that's, that's a coping skill. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and so it could be anywhere that you feel calm and safe, but if you can't even think of a calm, safe place, you can just picture yourself sitting somewhere with like, a, uh, like a stream of light covering mm. you like coming down from heaven or coming down from the sky like just a stream of like a color of light that you think would be soothing whether it's blue or pink or pop, you know red or orange whatever whatever feels soothing to you and just imagine like a stream of like um of of that color of light just kind of washing over you but, um, but yeah, that's, that's definitely a coping skill that people can use in the moment for me when I would get like, when my daughter was a toddler and a baby and I would like get to my breaking point, I, I would make sure she was somewhere safe and I would have to go into my room for a minute and just calm down. Mm. Just even just for a minute. Um, just to like recenter my brain, because what happens when you are in that state of mind where you're t- so worked up and you're so overstimulated, as you're not thinking clearly anymore mm-hmm. your brain is literally like like it's not you're not making good decisions the prefrontal cortex of your brain which is where you make all your decisions basically goes dark and you're operating from the fear center of your brain and the fear center of your brain is going to tell you all these crazy things you know and 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 and, it, and it's not going to be helpful <laughs> but the if you can remind yourself that like i'm not thinking clearly right now like these, these thoughts I'm having are not legitimate thoughts. I need, I need to just go get, take a minute, whether you yeah. stick your head out the front door and freezing cold, um, cold water is another really go splash your face with freezing cold water. Um, that will, that will ground you and center you. Um, some other things you can do is like, look around the room and just, and notice five things you can see, four mm. things you can hear, three things you can touch, two things you can smell, you know, like try to engage your five senses and just like take a minute and like just look around the room and, and count like, you know, 10 things you can see. And that will kind of bring you back into a more grounded place back into your, into the prefrontal cortex of your brain um, so that you can settle yourself a bit. And um, yeah, I think I think, yeah, that walking and all that because moving your body. So what happens when you are overwhelmed or anxious, you get flooded with with stress hormones. Your brain releases all this cortisol into your body. In order to settle your system back down, your body has to burn off mm. like Chemicals. Now, it probably doesn't happen that way. That's the way I describe it. Sure. Um, but basically, you know, they're they're streaming through your body these hormones, these stress hormones. So if you exercise, that's why exercise is so proven to be um, beneficial for people with anxiety and depression is because you you're like essentially burning off all these bad chemicals. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could get the faster you get moving, the m- faster your body's going to settle down.
0: Yeah, and it's it's. uh doubly helpful because if you have kids that are for lack of a better term, completely annoying you and like driving that stress up, like they are probably being annoying because their body also needs to get out and move. And so if you can do it together, it's like burn off whatever that is that they've got going on. And, and you are also burning off all the stuff that that was a response to that and everybody's better for it.
1: Right. Right. I agree. I agree. And there's also, um, there's some other things I could go on all day with like in the moment, but like, um, bilateral stimulation is another tool that you can use. It's pretty, um, you know, it's very easy to do, but if you just cross your hands, um, like an X in front of you and put your hands on your upper arms and tapping back and forth like Mm. this, it settles, it will settle your nervous system pretty quickly and take some long, uh, take some slow, deep breaths while you're doing that. And it just, for some reason, it, it's magic, a little bit of magic, a little bit of science. There's something to do with um, crossing the two, the, hemis- the two hemispheres of your brain and, um, and, and the midline of your body that, that can kind of bring you into a more settled state of mind.
0: Yeah, it's important because as much as I'm like, I don't want a grounded moment, I want a grounded month um, <laughs> away, like you really do need, um, especially if you're starting to like, I'm nervous about where I'm at mentally and I'm nervous w- that I'm in charge of these kids for the foreseeable future and I don't see a break in in my future taking these moments, working in as much as you can and having some of those tools in your toolbox. Um, And then, you know, grabbing your book, you know, reaching out to your own family, your own support system and make sure that you're making those connections. I think always helps to be like, okay, I'm not alone. And you don't have to have the mom guilt of like, I can't believe I even thought those thoughts. You know, they're they're super they're, they're not supernatural. They're very natural <laughs> to yeah. have these thoughts when our bodies are that stressed out.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I went through some of that too. I, I, for the first time in my life, like was struggling with obsessive thoughts. Like I had a scary thought and then I just couldn't let it go. Like I, cause it scared me so much. And, um, And I just kept thinking about it. And so I worked on that through with therapy about like confronting the fear and actually spending more, what solves it is spending more time thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so like there is help and there is things that you can do if you do find yourself really struggling. Um, just, you just need to find it and, um, and, and keep trying until you find something that works because it's different for everybody.
0: Well, the other piece that's really interesting to me about your book is so I only have my experience, and I would definitely, definitely describe it as a privileged experience as far as how I have been impacted by the the, the COVID-19 pandemic. I I haven't been impacted as much as I know a lot of people have been. So. Another thing, just from like a research perspective, you know, getting your book and being able to familiarize yourself with really how this has impacted different families, um, different households, what that's like for them, because we're moving forward now with a community that has had all of these experiences. And it's really not fair as a community member to just have your perspective and assume that everybody has, you know, is like, Oh, whatever. COVID. Yeah, that happened. It was an inconvenience. Whereas to some people no COVID happened. We are still suffering. We, it was a major hit. We've suffered insane loss. You know, I think that that's a valuable piece too, is even if you're not trying to reduce isolation, but if you're just trying to understand, like, what did our world go through? Um, a compilation of stories like this could be super valuable. So tell people where they can, where they can get your book.
1: Sure. It's on uh, my website is bethtyson.com and there's a shop button and that's where both of my books are, but you can also go to Amazon um, and it is available on Amazon. It's called The Parenting Odyssey, Trials, Treasures, and Triumphs of Parenting in a Pandemic.
0: I love that. I'm going to link to all of that in the show notes. This was really a helpful... (laughs) helpful uh, episode for me, helpful conversation for me. I didn't mean to make it a therapy session all about me, but I, I, I really do think that like parents need it. They need to know like, so what do you do when all of the tool, when you've used up all the tools you have, or it doesn't work. And COVID has kind of created this situation where some of those traditional coping mechanisms feel like they're a little bit farther away. So.
1: Yeah, I agree. Even for myself, I went through that. I'm like deep breathing. No, it's not gonna. It's not gonna cut it this time, you know. And sometimes you do need more than that. Sometimes you do need um, some medication to get through a rough spot. I mm-hmm. I'm not anti medication. Like I I think that it helps people, um, as long as you have a you know the right the right medication and the right prescription and everything. Um, you know, antidepressants can be incredibly. Um, helpful for people that are really struggling. So, you know, don't what's don't cut off your nose to spite your face, you know, like, get the help that you need, just get it, you'll you'll thank yourself later.
0: Well, thank you so much for writing this book and for joining us and sharing all of your wisdom. Uh, It's really nice to see you again.
1: Yeah, same here. And if people want to follow along with me on social media, um, on Facebook, I have a group called a minds. And it is. I share on there all this kind of stuff, like all stuff about helping children with trauma, um, parenting, um, and all different types from like a, a conscious, gentle parenting perspective. And nice. that's um, Emo Minds. E M O T I M I N D S
0: perfect. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a member of that group. So I'll make sure that I um, link that group in the show notes as well and your other handles so that you guys can uh, consume best content everywhere it is or wherever you are. Um, yeah. Cause we need it. We need it right now.
1: Yes. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm really um, honored to speak to your audience again and, and hopefully we can do it again in the future.
0: Absolutely.